1: And welcome to the Omega Man Radio Show. Today is a live show. Today is Friday, August 20th. We're starting a little bit early tonight. I'm going to have a special guest on, Al Cuppet, a good friend of the Omega Man. We go back many years. Real man of God, he was one of the first to start uh, sounding the alarm about uh, the New World Order, its influence here in America and around the world, and it's always a pleasure to have Brother Al on the phone. And uh, for those of you um, who are asking, how can I download a copy of a program, we're now in the iTunes directory, and you can go to the new website, omegamanradio.com, and click on the RSS link. Uh, Thanks to Peter Kuhlman for pointing that out to me. You can uh, click on that link, and you can also download directly from the website. So uh, without further ado, I want to thank you for tuning in tonight, and let's go to the phone and bring on Brother Al. Brother Al, are you on board with us tonight?
0: I hope so. Can you hear me?
1: Absolutely. You're coming in loud and clear.
0: Hey, brother, you got a great voice for this program. You have a you have a very good voice for radio, man, I'll tell you.
1: <laughs> well, well, to God be the glory.
0: Okay. I've been all over the world, and I've done a lot of programs, but uh, anyhow, here we are.
1: Praise God, brother. So, brother, how you been doing this week?
0: Well, I've uh, yeah, been ups and downs. You know how things are, especially when they're under a lot of stress. Uh, not so much. Uh, it's mostly... Uh, I get I get a lot of phone calls, and a lot of them I don't need to get, but I try to handle them all and be nice to everybody and try to help them out with their problems. I have to pray with them or, uh, you know, whatever it takes to, to, you know, it goes to the territory, Bruce. Uh, it goes to the territory, and I do my best to uh, to do what I have to do, you know, considering what the, the flack I get here at home and, and the flack that I get. Uh, the devil tries to hinder me just a little bit, but he's kind of given up, uh the normal routes, because I have uh, always overcome him by the power of the Lord and the Holy Spirit, and so he's kind of lightened up on me most of the time, but once in a while he gets somebody in to bug me, but uh you know don't don't work it doesn't work too well
1: for him well brother that's uh that's the part of being on the front lines, and you are on the front lines, so they send you in first like the marines
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks uh, yeah that's probably true because, because i am i'm I'm just dumb enough to charge in there, you know because the Lord told me. Says, I'm going to give you divine protection. You better move out and do something. Says, "Okay, Lord, I'm going to do it." So praise the Lord. I, I try to do it.
1: <laughs> Amen to that. Hey, I wanted to, uh, to give us an update on Brother Bob. He was missing in action for a while. Did he? Uh, well, did what he happened? Appear?
0: Uh, he went off for about a day. and When he got home, he smelled uh, Clorox in his house, and somebody had been smoking in his house. Now oh, we no. know that we know that there's people been in there, but uh, his phones were on the blink. Both phones were on the blink. His computer was fritzed out. He didn't know what was wrong with a computer. It was on the fritz. And finally I got a hold of him, and uh, he's okay. But his wife and he both smelled the uh, smelled this stuff in his house. Whatever they were doing, we don't know. But uh, I personally believe that he's give, begin, been given divine protection, as I have. And uh, unto whom much is given, much is required. And I'm going to tell you, folks, if I was afraid, I wouldn't be talking on the radio right now, on, on the Internet, because they can monitor everything we say and do any time they want. I was a command and control communications inspector with the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and they're listening to everything they want to listen to anytime they want to. So there's nothing hidden from these people. But fortunately for us, the Lord is omnipotent and omniscient and, um, and omnipresent, and so we have nothing to fear. Uh, his Word is, is the thing which carries us, and at any moment Him, he or his angels or his Holy Spirit can step into the picture and stand by us on our behalf.
1: Brother Al, for some uh, people out there that are new to the program and have not uh, had a pleasure to hear you speak before, give us a little bit of background. Um,
0: right. Well, first and foremost, I became a born-again Christian in 1969, fifth day of January at 1230 in the morning. I spent 10 years ahead of that in the Army uh, as a sinner. I backslid when I was about 12. It took me 17 years for my mom to pray me back into the kingdom, and uh, I swore to the Lord I would do, I told him, Lord... I will do as you tell me, everything I can do for you. All he had to do was get my attention a little later on in life, and I was in the Army that first 10 years. After I got saved, born again, by the Spirit of God, I started, uh, I was in the military. I was in uh, 31 years and a half, over 35 or so countries, 19 years joint service, that's Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. I don't believe there's anybody who's had that much time. Uh, in joint service, and I'm only telling you this because I've been there and done that. You know, these these medals they gave me, they won't buy me a cup of coffee, okay? The Secretary of Defense Civilian Service medal I got when I retired from the Joint Chiefs. I was an action officer for eight years in the Pentagon, two years on the air staff, six years with the Joint Chiefs, above top secret, and I found out what they're doing to us, and I got it figured out from 1992 on, and I started logging it down and putting it down on my Master station log, which all communicators keep as a as a regulation, and uh, I started to keep my own little journal. And when I started seeing all this stuff going wrong, and all these foreign troops, and all the pictures started coming in, and all of the uh, reports and, and observations that people had seen, I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? And so, a good example of that uh, is I was in 1995. I was in the airport in St. Louis, and a Navy. Master Chief Petty Officer right off a SSBN missile boat, submarine, said uh, after we compared notes and I showed him my three Federal ID cards, he said, uh, man, you know what? He said uh, he shouldn't have told me that he did. He said, Clinton took the launch keys away from us. We can't launch our missiles. And now, he said, we've got concrete in our missile tubes. And second and thirdly, he said he turned off the undersea listening system And I said, what? He said, yeah, he turned off that. We can't hear the Russian subs anymore. I said, oh, my goodness. No wonder there's fist fights in the Pentagon. No wonder there's been fisticuffs going on, guys not carrying out these treasonous orders. So, you know, I retired after 31 years, and then I started putting it all together. And the Lord uh, called me outside the camp. I tried to straighten the church up at my own church, which we worked on for 10 years Two guys went out and blowed up six abortion clinics. Then I knew something was wrong. The Lord showed me wrong Bible, wrong songs. Get back to my word. Get back to the old ancient landmarks. And so that's what I've been doing now. I've been warning people about the Bible issue since 1986 and, since, and the New World Order since 1994. So there we are. Um, I've had divine help. He said, call upon me and I shall answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou, know, which thou knowest not. And I said, hey, Lord, that's, like, that's a great idea. No, son, it's not going to be all pleasant things. In fact, most of it's going to be unpleasant things, and so that's what we're talking about. And I'm going to bring some of those unpleasant things tonight, but I'm not going to scare you because you got to turn to Jesus big time, and you start praying big time, and you start fasting big time, and reading the King James Bible big time, and get the old hymn book back in your fellowship big time, and the Lord can guide you. You pay your tithes big time whenever, whatever he requires of you. And you won't have a problem. But other than that, you're going to be stuck. So that's where we are, brother. I've been there and done that.
1: Brother, you know, as the word says, my people were destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Uh, You knew a a general in the Pentagon who used to have a plaque above his desk, didn't he?
0: That's right. General Jerry Prather, P-R-A-T-H-E-R. He was at X-O-K. became uh, Air Force Systems Information, I think, AFSI or AFIS, Information Systems, And he had a sign on his desk, and he warned us. He said, hey, you see that sign? What you don't know won't hurt you. It'll kill you. Now get out there and find out what's going on. Don't just sit back like some other, uh, you know, slow fella. You want to be on the ball, and you want to find out what's going on, and you get yourself killed. And that's where we are, folks. We're suffering from lack of knowledge, spiritually, now and physically, the church, and we certainly uh, are going to be hurt. And if what we don't know won't hurt us, it's going to kill us. It will kill us, I'm telling you.
1: Brother Al, you're a watchman on the wall, and the Lord has put you in a lot of unique positions yeah. from uh, inside the Pentagon. In fact, I remember uh, going to the Pentagon way back when. I remember the long elevator. Right. They had to go all the way up. I used to get lost up there, actually. They'd send me on errands, and I would try to wander those halls and find them. You're talking about <laughs> the ramps that go up. The, yes, sir. long ramps, Yeah. There's a
0: ramps. There's ramps in that building, man. It was pretty cool. You could you could walk all the way up to the fifth, fourth floor, but then they they put, they put the fifth floor on as an afterthought. So they, you had to go up steps there.
1: <laughs> and of course, I, I was, there was there. some Elevators
0: in there, but I never used them.
1: It was pre 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 two thousand one. I was there. I'm sure it's changed a little bit. But um, again, God has put you in a lot of unique places, and uh, you're yeah. one of the first to blow the whistle on this uh, shadow government. Yeah, I, um, I had
0: it. That's right. That's true. I figured, I had it figured out, but I didn't know what to call it.
1: <laughs> give us uh, give us a little bit uh, info on the shadow government for those that are new so, to that term.
0: I was watching things the way they were going, and I knew that somebody was calling the shots behind the scenes. So I said, "Well, they've got a uh, they've got apparently they've got a they've got a basement cabinet." There's a basement cabinet operating from the, from the White House, telling everybody what to do behind the scenes. And Ollie North called it the the parallel government, and of course. Uh, later on after 9-1-1, Dick Cheney said that he took the shadow government into a bunker. I said, uh-oh, there's the real name of that sucker. And so from now on, we've been calling it that. And then Tom, Tom Daschle, a senator, got on. I never heard of shadow government. And I heard him say it. And he you knew we're not supposed to have a shadow government. We're supposed to have a constitutional government. And apparently, the constitutional government has been completely overthrown, and they're using this behind the scenes shadow government, and the constitutional government is nothing but a facade
1: yes that's At, what's going on absolutely and it it's been going on for decades uh yeah
0: we need to we need i want need we need to expose what's this thing Bruce about what they're doing and how they're doing it
1: well let's take the thing back up to the current uh let's talk about what's going on over in iraq
0: right that's 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 the story okay
1: o b as we call him uh has said he's going to start uh sending troops back home. What is the true story
0: well Let's get how we got over there. First of all,
1: Satan wants to take over the Temple Mount,
0: him and his Antichrist, and they want to take over. And the best way they can do it is make sure the United States is out of the picture because he's got the idea that we're the one that's doing all support for Israel. Well, we were we're not doing much since Obama took over, but uh, he had to. We have they have to subjugate the United States, and so the first thing they had to do is get our guys sent overseas. All the troops sent overseas, so they pulled off nine one one that was a false flag operation. If you guys yes. don't understand that you can go to alex jones you can go to you can go to uh info uh, uh or prison planet and you can find out that it didn't happen like they told us. Alex Jones had a conference out there, and I was in it in two thousand six, and they sent our guys overseas and we were deployed into hundred and seventy eight countries. We were sent over there to chase down the Taliban. And then we sent over there to chase al-Qaeda down. And then we sent over there to chase down Saddam Hussein down. And now we got Iran in the picture and Israel into this picture. And they sent our guys overseas. And they've been over there now since 20th day of March, 2003. And we're mired down in that thing. And the purpose of it is to kill all our guys, to denigrate and demoralize and denigrate, demoralize, destroy the United United States Armed Forces. And now, just a month or so ago, they sent the NATO-dispatched, our Marines from Camp Lejeune, evidently to Costa Rica, 7,000 of them, that got 7,000 American boys and girls out of the United States, so they can't defend the country here. And with all the U.N. troops that have come into the country, the scenario is set, and we got our guys over there in Iraq, so now uh, the promise to pull them out. Now, fortunately, evidently, they came back to Fort Lewis. A lot of them, most of them did come back. The last combat brigade came out. But, folks, let me tell you something. That leaves 50,000 combat troops over there, Our non-combat troops. They're support troops. Support troops are trained to shoot an M-16 rifle. And the rest of it, they go to their advanced training. They go to clerks. They go to supply. They go to truck maintenance. They go to vehicle maintenance. Uh, they go to all types of jobs, but not the combat jobs. In other words, our our combat guys are heavy weapons guys. They got mortars. They got machine guns. They got tanks. They got armed personnel carriers, striker vehicles, Bradley fighting vehicles. They've got anti anti uh, They got mine. The uh, mine detection devices. Uh, They got all types of equipment to protect themselves and and take the enemy on. However, it's been a defensive war since about 2004. After we took over Saddam Hussein, it's been a defensive war. It's actually been a guerrilla war, and we've lost 4,000 plus guys over there. And now with the 50,000 guys that are there, they're going to be massacred. They're not going to be able to do their job and defend themselves. They are support troops, and they have been, they're going to do a job. They're evidently going to be supporting the the Iraq regime over there, and uh, that's not going to work because the Saudis, the Sunnis, and the Shiites are going to be shooting each other, and our guy's going to be caught in the middle of that thing, and they hate us regardless. If you think about it, Brother Bruce, how many people were dying under Saddam Hussein? It was a very small portion as to what's died over there since we went in there. And Satan has won the victory of people being dead and killed. Hundreds and thousands upon thousands of Iraqis have been murdered and butchered. The overall name of Satan's game is to kill people. And he's done that with our help, I mean, with our, quote, uh, our uh, incursion over there, has set the stage for untold tens of thousands to be murdered and butchered before their time. So the... War is the greatest device which Satan can mastermind because it sends people to the pit before they are ready. And we have more people have been killed over there. He has won over there. He has flat out won the battle as far as souls and going sent to the pit, lost and sent to hell, dying without Christ, dying without the blood of Jesus on their souls. And so here we are with about 50,000 guys. They're going to be scattered across that country in all kinds of operating locations, in all kinds of forward little places, whatever they're doing, and wherever they are, they're going to be targets for mortars, targets for rockets, targets for IEDs, targets for anything, because they will piecemeal our guys to pieces. They will cut them to pieces, and that was the name of the game, to destroy American forces, and that's what's going to happen there's no, no way it cannot happen. There's no way it cannot happen. And I'd like to also tell you, how, you know, some of the terrible ways this war has been fought. Yes. So people can see what's going on. Okay? Now, I understand most of you listening to civilians. All right? Well, let me explain something. I've got a list of stuff here. First of all, on the 20th day of March of 2003, they sent the Marine Expeditionary Force over there. I think it was about 30,000 guys. They sent them into the desert in green uniforms. In green uniforms in the desert. Now, General MacArthur would have never sent his soldiers into the jungles of the green jungles of New Guinea in khaki-colored tan uniforms, but our guys were all sent into the desert in green uniforms. Any civilian can tell you, good grief, Al, they're going to be targets. That's right. So what they could have done, all they've had to have is took a can of Rust-Oleum beige tan spray paint and spray the uniforms, and they'd have been the right color. But no, we sent them over there in green uniforms. That That's... One sergeant major at Quantico Logistics, uh, the branch down there, said, I said, we well, don't send them guys over there in them green uniforms. Man, that's a big gig. I said, yeah, it was a big gig. They're targets. Any civilian knows they're targets. Anyhow, that's the first thing they did wrong. Uh, some couple years, three years a, few years, a few years back, I saw there was a, a, a terrible uh, uh, ammo, uh, an ammo dump had blown up. I saw the fire in the skies and everything. I said, where's the casualties? There must be at least one casualty. You know, the guy that was guarding the gate, certainly maybe he would have got killed, right? Right. Well, no casualties reported, but I got a call about a month later from a colonel who's very good contact's up in the Pentagon, and he said, We lost 300 guys. Somebody bivouacked our troops around an ammo dump. That is absolutely treasonous. Now, this thing's being run by the United Nations, and I'm going to explain that to you in a minute. Clinton signed a presidential decision, PDD 25, back in 95, it put our troops under UN command. It was a top. It was more than top secret. It was code word. The chairman and the joint chiefs and the army chiefs of staff and the air force chiefs and the service chiefs knew that we were under UN command and we would do what they said and they would issue the orders once they got the word from the UN or from the shadow government which is operating within the country. So our guys are now being... Now, how that works is this. Ever since 1948, the Undersecretary for Political and Security Affairs in New, at the UN in New York has been a Russian since 1948. Uh-oh. It's by agreement. Now, when you're under UN command, he is the UN commander. He is the UN guy who's watching all the fighting going on. Political and Security Affairs. That's the army for the U. the UN army that's manned by a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of different countries. Well, he gets an info copy of every operations order. Every time you have an operations order for an operation, whether it be in Korea when we was fighting the Korean War, or whether it be this one or the one in Vietnam, the UN guy, oh, the UN staff officer on the staff of the commanding general, whoever's running the operation or the 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 war, he has access to all that. He's sitting in there on a war planning. He's sitting there as a staff member, and he takes the op order and sends a copy, an info copy. When the thing goes out, he gets an info copy. He sends his info info copy to the guy in 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 the UN, the Russian. The info copy that's the CC for you guys that are doing internet it's called a CC copy. He gets a CC copy. All he does, since he's a Russian, he sends a CC copy to to our enemies on the other side of the fence,
1: where so we're, we're going to They're laying and wait for our guys. And that's right. They'll
0: Absolutely. be moving out
1: of the way when we're getting ready to go after them. I can prove it to you. That's right. That's why nothing ever gets done. Let me prove it to you. Uh,
0: the there was a currency run that was going to go from the, one of the airports into Baghdad with a lot of currency, billion dollars worth of currency, and the convoy took off. But the American guy in charge, based on what I can figure. Decided he wasn't gonna take a chance, and he up armored the convoy instead of sending one tank or whatever, six, three personnel carriers, machine guns. He sent about ten or twenty, and they overpowered the ambush. Wow! Now, how did they know there? Was, how did they know the currency guy was coming? Because the UN guy, the UN guy sent an info copy to the Russian, and the Russian told the enemy, and the enemy went and almost got our guys. They almost got the sink over there, Commander-in-Chief. I forget which one it was. It was a guy with a Spanish name. He was going to go downtown Iraq, and he decided not to, and they they found that there was an ambush set for him. How did they find out? The U.N. guy. The U.N. staff officer sent it.
1: Loosen lips, sink ships. That's right. That's right. And so uh,
0: let me show you how, how, how terrible, folks, this war is being fought. Uh, there, were, there were two officers over there. One was a, uh, I got the information in the station in my archives, but one was a female major and an Army warrant officer, male. They were, co- they were commander and deputy commander of a transportation battalion. They were running supplies up to the green zone from wherever around in Iraq, and they found two trucks along the road that had been abandoned, two U.S. trucks, fully operational, sitting along the road. So they, picked, they took them up and took off and used them to haul the stuff. They were court-martialed and busted out of the Army. Both of those individuals were court-martialed for picking up the trucks. Now, that happened. This is unheard of in, 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 in GI warfare because we take stuff we find. We, we, we used to steal stuff we find, and it was perfectly legit. You know, if you caught a Marine downtown, a Marine officer downtown in front of a bar someplace, and he had a Jeep outside... And it was sitting out there, it was fair game, the enemy could, the, the, the VC could get it, or the Viet Cong, if you, right. stole, if you stole his Jeep, you repainted it and drove it off. It was one of those things. If they stole one of ours, that's how it went, you know. But these, they court-martialed those two and busted them out of the army. This was a travesty. This was absolutely never, so now that's sort of like rules of engagement. When you've got rules of engagement, you can't shoot this guy or whatever. You can't fight a war if you've got rules of engagement. There weren't any rules of engagement in Germany. We blew away everything and anything. Okay, anything that's and right. anything we blew away. Now we didn't blow away the Vatican. We didn't blow away some of those great, some of those uh, like the Eiffel Tower, and we didn't blow away the uh, the, the different, uh, you know, the, the great, the historical things. We we tried to avoid them. The Germans sometimes blew them away, but anyhow,
1: that's why guerrilla uh, war. The guerrilla side always wins. They don't right. have to play by rules. That's right. They don't play by the rules. They have that's no rules. Crooks are always going to have guns. They're not going to obey gun laws. That's right. Well, but back anyhow, on subject. Go ahead.
0: The other the other things uh, is another another issue is uh, we had uh, a, a okay. The, the army has no more cooks. The army has the United States Army does not have cooks. They got a culinary school down at Fort Lee or Fort Eustis, but they don't have any cooks. You can't fight a real war without cooks. Why? Could you imagine having contractors doing the cooking in Germany in World War II? Contractors cooking for the troops?
1: Man, oh, that's the, a first travesty. Time,
0: the first time a mortar would come in, they'd take off, head for the English Channel, and you wouldn't have any cooks. But now we've got contract messes in the United States, and we've got contracts overseas. There are no more military KPs. The guys are overseas now. They're being fed by Halliburton, or Halliburton probably contracted it out to another guy, and I forget the name of it. Yes. He contracts out the mess deal. It costs $20 per meal per man. Okay? Wow. An MRE costs 3 bucks. Now, you either got MREs or contract mess. There are no Army cooks. I've discovered that myself. Went to Fort Belvoir. I saw the cook line on retiree day. These are the guys behind the chow line. I says, where's, where's the mess sergeant? There is no
1: mess sergeant. We got I remember... To- uh... Food Services Corps was eliminated, wasn't
0: it? That's right. That's right. So, now what you got is this. This is what you got. When a, If an Army Mess Sergeant is running the mess hall, if he steals the, the turkeys and the hams and, and takes them downtown, if he gets caught, he goes to Leavenworth, Fort Leavenworth uh, Stockade. Kansas. Okay? That's right. If the contractor's caught, he loses his job. That's all. Okay? Now, this is what happened when you got... Foreign people feeding our troops, whether they be contract, whether they be Korean KPs, whether they be uh, any type of mess, mess personnel. I saw it in Korea, and I'll tell you what happens. In Thanksgiving Day of 1964, I was on a rifle team in Korea, and I was at the uh, Advanced Marksmanship Unit. There was a, we were we were sitting on a security base there in uh, in Seoul, and I saw the Korean. Honcho, who was the Korean mess honcho, he had the colonel, the base commander's car was a Korean. Driver was a Korean. You always have a Korean usually because he speaks Korean, and speaks fluent English, you always hire him because he's cool, you know. And uh, he, drove, he drives up behind the mess hall when the mess sergeant ain't looking, they, they went out there, one of them reefers, and they loaded about 20 turkeys into the back of that car, Thanksgiving turkeys, and that guy took it down out the back gate. I saw it happen. Now, This is what happens, the same thing happened in Iraq, but what we had in Iraq was we had consolidated mess halls. Now, back in the States, the Army used to have every company or troop, every company or or armor troop, the Air Force, every squadron of 250 men or troop or company had a mess hall. You had 200 guys or 250 guys at any one time, you'd have about a half of them in the mess hall, you'd have 100 guys in the mess hall at any one time, Right. Right. Okay, well, they switch to consolidated mess halls. That means one mess hall for the whole base. Now that's okay in America, where you have you have you're in the Conus, you're in the zone of the interior, and you don't have enemy guys trying to blow you up, right? Well, when you get overseas, you got you don't you don't you can't use a consolidated mess. I could have told them it was going to happen. They put a consolidated mess. Over there in Iraq, I think it was in a green zone, you don't have 200 guys. You have 2,000 guys in that mess hall eating
1: every meal. And guess what? They blew them up. They blew them up. And you've got spies that infiltrate the food sur- the, the, yeah, the uh, yeah, that's right. The well, this circus. is what happened.
0: What happened was Halliburton, if they had the contract, I think they did, they, they, they contracted it out somebody else. And that guy, now he's got to make money, okay? He's got to make money. Halibur, the, the, the primary contractor makes his money. The subcontractor tries to make money, and what he does, he hires the cheapest guys he can get, right? That's right. Okay, in most cases, it would be Iraqis. Well, Iraqis are Muslims, and they hate us. Yeah. But the, one guy said, well, we hired, we hired Filipinos. I said, wait a minute. Well, that don't make no difference. I said, we've got communists in the, Filipino, in the, in the Philippines. We've got communists there. And I said... Makes no difference. We had non-Americans feeding Americans. And you cannot have non-Americans feeding Americans in a war zone. So they got blowed up. They killed 25 guys, and I could have told you that was going to happen. But, hey, I'm not running the war. You know, I wasn't. My daddy was just a mail clerk. What what I knew, right? Now, one other thing. We are not using artillery. Artillery, when the enemy doesn't have artillery... You have a force multiplier, big time. Now, also the enemy over there doesn't have aircraft. They didn't have aircraft in Vietnam, but we had rules of engagement. We couldn't use it. The enemy infiltrated from from the uh, Ho Chi Minh Trail. We weren't supposed to go into Cambodia and Laos. We couldn't shut them off. We couldn't stop that war. We couldn't win the war. Same as MacArthur knew he couldn't win it in Korea. So, uh, we ha- what we had what we had in our World War II. And in, and in Vietnam and Korea, we had artillery bases. We had artillery guys. When you have a front line, as you had in Korea, and in World War II, you had the artillery was right back about a mile behind, if not that, if that, if that far, five or six hundred yards, or, or not more than a mile or so, and you could have the artillery back ten miles as long as you've got, or five miles as long as you've got, you've got communi- reliable communications with the forward observer, or the FAC, the FAC, the forward air controller, flying over the lines calling the shots, okay? And when we ran into, in Vietnam, we had fire bases all across the country on mountain tops. These fire bases were interlocked with each other, and if the VC tried to attack a fire base, the other fire bases opened fire on the VC and blew them away.
1: That's and right.
0: And when we caught the uh, VC in the jungle, we out on patrol or on an ambush, and we caught them, and if we got a little overpowered, the guy on the radio called in a... You get to spot around in boom. Next next round is drop fifty, fire for effect. So he drops fifty, fires for effect, and the one five five comes in, boom. You got hamburger, right? That's the end of the VC, all right. Especially well, when
1: Puff the Magic Dragon comes around.
0: Right, that's when you got the Spectre AC one thirty gunship. That's right. Well, I went down to South Carolina, and I heard two boys come back from the National Guard, and they were sitting there telling what they were doing. I said. Well, they were over there, and they said uh, we're, we're 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 patrolling, and I said we are guarding communication stations, and we're patrolling. I'm thinking, well, they must be infantry. You certainly don't want guys patrolling; they're not infantry. Infantry's trained to patrol, right? right. I said, uh, well, what's your MOS? What is your what is your job specialty? Well, we're artillerymen. What? I said, you're artillerymen. Yeah. They're called Redlegs. That's their nickname, Redlegs. They come out of Fort Sill, and I said, well. If you're patrolling and you're over there guarding comm stays and whatever, communication stations, I said, Where's your guns? And a voice behind me said, They left them home. It was the father of the two boys. He's a retired sergeant major, had just retired the day before, and he came to hear his two kids tell about what they did in Iraq, you know? And, and I said, When you, folks. They, they well, put uh, them
1: over there without weapons? Without, without their, their artillery. God have mercy. They've got, they've got their small
0: arms, but these guys were trained to blow people away with artillery, right? That's right. They weren't trained to go sneaking through the bushes, crawling around in infantry, de- undoing mines and IEDs. Here they are. They're doing the infantry's job when they should be sitting back blowing these guys away. Now, our guys, our infantry guys are being sent through, sent through the villages, sent through the town to, to rout out these guys. Well, we didn't do that in Vietnam. If we had artillery, all you do is drop back and say, boom, fire, you shoot. And let's say in Iraq, you got, tra- got them trapped in a big building or a mosque. You just drop back, call in two, one, five, five rounds, boom, boom, you got hamburger and dust, and that's the end of your problem, right? But sending our guys into the city, going down the street door to door like you see on television, that gets guys killed. And that's the name of the game. The name of the game is to get us killed. And that's how you do it. Try to go door to door and don't use artillery. Now, the other thing is, artillery round cost about 200 bucks. And you can shoot quite a few hundred rounds to a tube before you've got to replace the tube. But now, what they do is they call in helicopter gunships. Okay, ah, but the helicopter is subject to ground fire and missiles. That's right. shoulder fired missiles. You're putting American guys in the gunship at risk. The chopper is expensive to operate, and so are the, so are the, the missiles that it shoots. And uh, you put the guys in danger by calling them in over top of the, the objective. Then they send in fighter planes at $1 million a copy, I mean $10 million a piece. You send a pilot or two in there, put them in danger, and they're using smart bombs that cost 20 times what it costs for an artillery round, right? But that's, that's right. okay. The manufacturers of those missiles and those uh, airplanes, they get lots of money for that. That's the name of the game. That's the military-industrial complex. These guys, like the German Krupp and Murcher Schmidt, they made all the money. Henry Ford made a lot of money. Consolidated Aviation, uh, uh, all these airplanes made a lot of money. All these guys, these, these, uh, all these manufacturing companies and the big, big money, money guys, they made money off the war. Why, the soldier bleeds... And the guy sitting back in his office atop the Sears, Center, the Sears Tower, he makes the money. And so they make money. They don't make any money on shooting artillery, okay? Artillery rounds are cheap, but they're very effective. They're more effective than a plane coming in with a missile because uh, that, missile that, that missile that hit within 10 feet costs a million dollars a copy, okay? Wow. The artillery round can hit within two feet, and it only costs 200
1: bucks. But you can't make any money with artillery rounds, okay? And that's the point, folks. You need to follow the money trail. Right. It that's is about, money um staying in there forever and uh, whittling down our, our force. And whittling
0: our force down. And now they're fixing to kill 50,000 guys over there, or at least half of them. Uh, now, let me tell you two more things that happened. I, I am sitting in a Chinese restaurant about eight miles from here, and I'm watching the CNN news. And here comes on, well, we've got a new armored vehicle, and it takes X amount of C-4 to blow it away. That is, compromise the integrity of the vehicle and kill four enlisted men, okay? That came on the radio. I'm not going to tell you what the X was. There was a certain number, okay? There was a certain number of pounds. That's classified information, ladies and gentlemen. You don't tell the enemy how much dynamite you have to have for civilian terms how much dynamite or how much Semtex or how much Semex, that you have to have to kill four guys. Well, what's easy? All they had to do was watch CNN. They knew exactly how how much they had to have to undo the vehicle. So they just put X plus three pounds, and we lost four, four GIs with an IED. Improvised explosive device. In other words, a landmine is all it was. The other question is, where are they getting the explosives? Nobody ever addresses the question. No, General Dierno, the guy before him, General General Petraeus, nobody ever asked them a smart question. Hey, General, where is all this explosives coming from? Where are these explosives coming from? We've been over there for seven, eight, was it? How many years? Oh, three to what now? Seven years. Where are the explosives coming from that's killing our guys? Nobody ever... Have you ever heard that on the radio, Bruce? Anybody ask that question? No, sir. No, okay. So... Next thing I see a year later, another year later, they got they got a new vehicle with a with a bottom a certain shape bottom. They told me what they told me what shape the bottom was, right? That's right. So the bottom the bottom is shaped so it deflects deflects the uh it's kind of a V shaped hole, Don't it? Me. Yeah, it's V shaped. You, you said it, I wasn't gonna say it but you did, that's okay. And they put that on T V. Well it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure okay, deflection angle plus yield over yield over deflection, okay, we'll over the and the metal's probably this thick, so we'll just add this X amount of more more, more, uh, more bomb, and we'll blow them away. So I was out last year in uh, the Reserve Center in West Virginia, and I talked to the guy. I told him about it. He said, well, it ain't, that, that vehicle isn't working. I said, yeah, that's right, because you're using too, much, too big a bomb, right? He said, yeah. So they told him what shape we had of the vehicle. And so before our vehicles even got to Iraq, they'd already figured out how big a bomb you had to make when you put a mine under the highway, how big it that's had right. to be. How to make sure it was this big. But once again, where are the explosives coming from? Where are they coming from? And no one knows where they're coming from. They don't ever address the issue where they're coming from. They, like we were talking earlier, we are in the middle of a killing field. There are Muslims on every side. There are Islamics on every side of that country. They're coming in like a killing field. They're flowing in through the borders. They all speak a common language. There's, the, the Muslims can all talk to each other, the Islamics can all talk to each other, in the, the Arabic, I should say, those that are the Arabic Muslims, can all speak in Arabic, and they can understand each other, even though they're from many, many, many other countries. You know, that's why all around Israel you've got these Islamic countries, and the Arab countries, they all speak a basic Arabic, and uh, except for a few accents here or there, they speak the same, same language, Man, that's what makes a country strong, the same language, right? That's why we used to be strong. But now we've got to speak Spanish. Yeah, yo, yo hablo, yo hablo español, sí. Si. But uh, necesito para inglés. We'll inglés, right. Para inglés,
1: aquí. So, uh, <clears throat> Brother, tonight, it's a literal killing field, physically? It's a literal killing field. It's a literal and kill. financially. Look at and what they're financially. doing. Financially,
0: yes. It's destroying our, our, our economy.
1: They're destroying the American economy here, and they're destroying our guys over in 178 nations.
0: That's right, and now they got. I heard they sent 7,000 Marines to Costa Rica here a while back, and now we got it. We're in 179 countries.
1: <laughs> God have mercy.
0: Yes, the Lord may have mercy, and so that's the kind of stuff we got going on. Uh, it's it's the whole name of the game is destroy U.S. power, destroy the United States in at home and abroad, so we cannot assist Israel as Satan and his Antichrist try to take over the Temple Mount. And we know his time is limited, but uh, he can read the Bible too, but he he's not he's not very good in believing. He's going to try to do his thing anyhow. And our poor Jewish friends, as you know, we've, we've tried, Bruce, you and I have done our best to get them to make Aliyah, to get out of the country uh, before it's too late, and they will not go. And most of them voted for Obama, and this man, this man is... He's an Islamist, he was born in Kenya, he was raised in Indonesia, and I told George Allen the other day, ex senator, once senator, governor, I said, This nation is too wicked, George, we do not deserve you. We do not deserve you in our government because we are we are such a wicked, wicked nation. And folks, if God doesn't if if God doesn't apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, uh, he's got a problem because we are more wicked than Solomon Gomorrah, you know. And so uh, he, he can't apologize to them now because they're not around anymore. And uh, so here we are. We are, this thing's going to crash, folks. There's no possible way. We're under the judgment of God. We're under the judgment of God. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. The church has been messed up now for 30 years. For 30 or 40 years, the church has been, has been, again, since 71, when the perverted Bible started coming out in mass, the church of Jesus Christ has been using polluted bread for Bibles, and we are lacking holiness. We're lacking righteousness. We're lacking the power to even be saved anymore. It's just, it's pathetic. Brother Al,
1: go ahead. what do you think about, uh, we have a question from the chat room. What do you think about the uh, monster building over there at Ground Zero? In well, New York. okay, okay.
0: Let's talk about that. First of all, most of you who've seen Alex Jones and Steve Quayle and some of my own information, there were no 19 guys on four airplanes that ever commandeered them and took them into the buildings with box cutters. That never happened. And I can tell you how I can tell you is this. By the laws of physics was the creator, creator himself created, God Almighty, JP-5 jet fuel burns from 460 to 561 Celsius, even with an accelerant. Oh, only 561 Celsius. Mild steel, and I was a welder's apprentice and used to cut up Navy guns down in Washington Gun Factory. Mild steel melts at 1100 Celsius. Chrome molybdenum alloyed steel, with not including the insulation on those beams and those towers, melts right. at 1600 degrees Celsius. There is no way any steel melted from jet fuel that day. Stephen Jones, Brigham Young's physics Ph.D. told us at, El- at the Alex Jones conference on a neocon agenda and 9 one conference in 2006 in June, he said if we believe what the government told us, we broke six of the laws of physics. And he proceeded to show us with pictures that a uh, layman could understand. He showed us that they lied to us. They have been lying to us about Waco. They have been lying to us about Oklahoma City. They have been lying to us about Vince Foster. TWA 800. They've, they've lied to us about 911 in the Pentagon and the plane that supposedly crashed in the field at Shanksville. Fanksville. That's right. Dr. Miller came out to the Shanksville site from the Somerset Counter, Counter, County Coroner's Office. He went to the hole in the ground. There wasn't any bodies. He went back to his office. That is a fact, whether you believe it or not.
1: I'll tell you, folks, what brought down the World Trade Center. It was right. CIA grade. Thermite charges. It was thermate
0: therm thermite
1: thermate which is sulfur with thermate, that's right, thermite.
0: It brought it down and it was put in there. I don't know who put it in there, but it was in there and
1: Stephen Well they say George Bush uh had his brother. He was in charge of the security for the World Trade Center. Well that's and uh it, it was. That's right. There was definitely also fierce. <laughs> London the London train bombing, they were also in charge of the, the cleanup of that. And uh folks again, uh jet fuel doesn't burn hot enough to take steel and turn it into molten pools of liquid at the base? That's right. And, and then Building 7 wasn't and even had, hit.
0: And building 7 came down eight hours after the other one, after the other two came down the same way almost. And just the charges were set differently. The control demolitions were set a little differently, but there were cutting charges and squib cutting charges in there that, that walked that building down and walked all three of those buildings down. And somebody... In the shadow government, murdered 3,000 people that day, and
1: uh, that's a, just a long, terrible story. Well, you know, the shadow it, government was um, was running the uh, control panel in an underground bunker with well, Cheney that's... overseeing it. Yeah, they, they were in underground bunker. Look at bunker. the testimony. I believe it was Leon Panetta. He testified before Congress. He was here as the orders were given to stand down um, NORAD. Right, uh, so go went, Google yeah, Operation right. Tripod, folks. Well, that's what happened. Uh, those planes were commandeered by Global Hawk, which
0: is a a remote control system. The two planes. I went to Alex Jones's conference, and after 20 hours, a guy got the mic on the floor and says, "Okay, questions, questions and answers." He said, uh, "Alex, Mr. Jones," he said, "You've proved to us with these testimony of these Ph.D. physics professors and Willie Willie Rodriguez, who was in the towers, and other people, Rick Siegel, and others who filmed this whole thing, that the planes that hit the towers were not." commercial jets, jet aircraft. Where are the planes and where are the people? And Alex Jones, he said, well, I don't know. Well, I know, and I hollered, I know where they are, and I'm not going to tell you where they are, but I'm going to tell you what. There, The plane that landed in Cleveland's Flight 93 was covered in the Cleveland plane dealer on the morning of the 12th. It said that the plane had landed and taxied up to the NASA building, and the people were offloaded.
1: Brother, they were they were offloaded and murdered, and I'll tell you they something were taken else. At away, that time,
0: uh, they were taken away. That's right.
1: Cell phones were not capable. That's ma- right. We were not capable of making altitude calls with cell phones. That's right. At that, that time, that,
0: that's the other one. A cell phone will not make a before, in two thousand one without a base station on the airplane, which they started putting on now in 2009, 11, ten, The uh, the the cell phone uh, will not work above two thousand feet. First of all, I'm communications guy. It's going through the cells too fast to switch. And secondly, it's in a metal cocoon at 30,000 feet, and it's only got six-tenths of a watt. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, from those who went up and tested it, and from an airline flight attendant, don't worry. The cell phone calls won't work up here. My relatives that fly these planes know they won't work up there. They tried it, okay? So Todd Beamer, that story about Todd Beamer calling home to his mother, whatever, was conjured up lies from the pit. You never talked to his mother, and she never talked to her son. And I tell you right now, none of you out there ever met Bin Laden, and you've never met Taliban, you've never met an Al Qaeda operative. And I personally think they're boogeymen to pull off this thing. the The whole news thing is completely, completely. You know, Tom Brokaw reported in 1996 that there were 20 tons, 25 tons of high nitrate fertilizers stolen from Brewston Mills, West Virginia farmers co-op. That's 20 right. tons of high nitrate bomb grade fertilizer. Oh my goodness. I went there three months later, and I got two employees in the mouth of two or three witnesses, shall every word be established. I got two employees to admit to me there was no fertilizer. It was a bookkeeping error, and it all got put on TV as 20 tons of bomb grade. Oh, it's going to blow the whole world up. They're going to blow the whole world up. They put fear in you and scare you to death. There was not one nickel for the fertilizer stolen that day, and it was a lie, and it's on TV, and those lies are coming out of that four-square block area. Uh, up in New York City, and it's being run from the very top. There's a planning place. There's a place that's – they're running this thing just like a military exercise. They've got uh, missile items, uh, which when you have an exercise, you have a playbook, how the exercise is run by the by the certain events that take place. And the New World Order has a playbook. It's an operational playbook. It is not an exercise playbook. It's an operational playbook. And they are calling the shots. They're doing one step at a time. We have had uh, four refineries blow up in the past five years. We've had three chemical plants blow up in the past five years. We've had one fertilizer plant just blow up. We've had a sugar plant blow up. We've had four bridges dropped in the past four, five, six years, and uh, starting with the one out there, well, one in one in South Oklahoma over the I-40 over the river out there, all of them were taken down by explosives and they explained them away. The one argument Schwarzenegger was talking about, he said his bridge collapsed out there in California because a a gasoline truck ran up against it. I'm just telling you, folks, they perpetuated the lie about gasoline and fuel oil being able to melt steel. There is no way steel can melt but gasoline. You can take a 55-gallon drum, cut the top out of it, put holes in the top part of it, fill it half full of gasoline, or kerosene, rather, And you can throw a match in it, and the kerosene may start burning. It might put the match out if it's too chilly. But you can get it burning if you put a wick in it. You can get it burning. But kerosene fumes will not explode. And gasoline only burns at 560, the same as kerosene. It cannot melt steel, and Schwarzenegger's bridge out there was not melted by gasoline. There was another bridge since then that was melted supposedly by gasoline. The one they brought down over the... Mississippi River I-35 in Minneapolis-St. Paul, that came down with controlled squibs. They brought that down. I've got a report of six people who saw it come down. They tried to tell us that it was blown up. No, it was, uh, that, it was, that it was, that pigeon dung helped rot, the pigeon dung, that was their cover story, the pigeon dung helped rock the bridge down, and rust the bridge. And uh,
1: the next thing will be a swamp gas explosion. Yeah, that's right. Uh, comes they, out.
0: They're, yeah, they're trying to. They, they, it's it's amazing what they'll tell us. What they're trying to flick by the American
1: people. They make Folks, a game out of it. We're going to do another program with Brother Al, and we're going to do a show called Waco and Ruby Ridge Revisited, Oklahoma City Revisited. And I want to share something, my brother Al. I just I discovered this recently. This will blow some people's mind. If you go over to FBI.gov and check the uh, ten most wanted list, they've got Osama up there, but they have renamed gotcha. him. What do they call him? They now call him USAMA, U-S-A-M-A. What's that about? <laughs> uh, his name is now U-S-A-M-A Bin Laden. As God is my witness, folks, his real name was Tim Osman. He was a CIA agent. He was most likely dead by the time the aircraft were commandeered in a false flag operation. that right. was going on at the time under the name of Operation Tripod. Right. Okay, and if you don't believe me, believe Dr. Stephen Houston, who was working for MI6 at the time. Right. Okay, and had a security clearance that he could get into the daily Matrix meeting in the White House. And he said his handlers told him that was the most beautiful job the CIA had ever pulled down. Bush was watching it on closed-circuit television. Yeah. Okay, because they asked him, when did you first hear about it? And he He, said, I saw it on TV. He said he saw it before he went into the classroom, a couple minutes before he went into the classroom down in Florida. Folks, this was an operation, okay, to go ahead and pass the 500-page Homeland Security Act, the Patriot Act. Right. Okay, was written, it had, was written
0: by a Jesuit priest. It was written by a Jesuit priest. It was not written by any, any legislators in the Congress. None of those to them, are.
1: propel us into uh, the Iraq theater, okay, right. and into Afghanistan. Right. Okay, we're in the Afghanistan to reinstate the opium production that right. the Taliban took out, which is a trillion-dollar cash crop that they used to, to fuel black budget operations. Right. And to push the pipeline to the Caspian Sea that the Taliban would not give our oil companies permission to push through. Now, yeah. that's my they opinion, won, they brother. Won to cut. They won the cut. They, yeah. It's about money. How long, how long were we in
0: NAM, brother Al? We, we started, well, actually, we went in there. We started putting the first advisors in '59. And finally, I think it was April of '75 when we finally escaped out of the last, the last chopper, flew out
1: of the top of the American embassy in '75. I know we were there offici- uh, uh, I mean, unofficially earlier, but uh, officially, when did we first send our troops over there? Well, they
0: talked about right in the early 60s, 63 to, to 75, but actually we probably... The French got beaten in Bien Bien Phu, Bien Bien Phu in 58, and we started having guys over there right after that in 59.
1: Folks, uh, this goes way back. Uh, George Bush Sr., nickname was Poppy. Poppy Bush as an opium. Yeah. Colonel Bo Wrights said he interviewed General Song of the North Vietnamese Army, and uh, Bush and Colonel Armitage, which was later the Assistant Secretary of um, uh, Armitage, yeah. uh, the Department of State, okay, hired by uh, Bush Jr. that came back in after Nam. They were smuggling drugs out of the Golden Triangle, Nam, Cambodia, and Laos. Well, it's about money. It's about uh, oil and drugs now. And what they're doing is they're sacrificing our men and women over there, right? That are going over there to fight for the country, only to be killed. And then they come back and have blown-out eardrums who are not even paying for the hearing aids.
0: That's right. And, that, you know, Pat Tillman was in Iraq, uh, in, in Afghanistan, and Pat Tillman was a high, high profile, and he was fixing to spill the beans on how that war was being fought, and he was shot at point-blank range with an M-16, shot in the face, and he wasn't killed by friendly fire. He, was, uh, by, uh, he, wasn't, he, he got a Silver Star later on for fighting the enemy when he found out that he was shot at close range with an M-16, and... It was blue on blue, but it turned out to be he was assassinated because he was going to come back and spill the beans
1: on how rotten that war was being fought. And it's this, this, it's just they sacrificed they get, him. They brother Al, we've got we've got five minutes remaining, folks. I'm going to be bringing Al, brother Al, back on for two hour show. Brother, we had the lines lit up tonight, and uh, I've got to bring you back to take some open calls. Okay. Uh, in the time remaining, uh, what can people do right now, right uh, now, Christians? folks? If you're not a born-again Christian, you better figure out how to get that way.
0: You better get you a Bible, and you better start reading in St. John. And you, you read starting in the first part of St. John, the first chapter through the third chapter. And you start reading, and you start praying, and get you a King James Bible, and you start praying. If you're not born again saved, you have no protection to, to keep you from harm. And if you die lost, you will go to the pit that God created for the devil and his angels. He didn't create it for his, for his people. For his his own creation is his 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 Adamic uh, offspring, which was Adam and Eve on down. He created for Satan and his his, and his evil angels. But if you're not saved, you're going there, and you've got to be saved. There's no sense having a having a war with the New World Order for a year or so, and then getting yourself killed, and then die and go to the pit and go to hell itself. It's mentioned 52 times. You need to start reading your Bible. You. You, if you can't find a church that uses the King James Bible and uses a hymn book, then you had better find you a house church and go there and start praying and fasting. And anybody who is saved, if you don't know what's going on, you better find out. You better find out in a hurry because the Lord is my witness. On the 20th day, we're in trouble of August. We're in trouble. And if Israel attacks Iran over there, and they're going to eventually, it's going to be Katie barred the door. It's going to be terrible, and this thing's going to go down rapidly. They're going to pull something. You start, you start reading the King James. You start praying. Get yourself out of bed in the morning. If you're a born-again Christian, get your rags out of bed in the morning and start praying. Get up at 3 o'clock. Ask the Lord to wake you. Start praying. Flip that Bible open and let it talk to you.
1: It, it will talk of, to you, folks.
0: If forever, O Lord, that word is settled in heaven. And if your Bible matches what's settled in heaven, the Spirit of God will talk to you through it. He will speak to you and give you peace, joy, hope, and love. You can't use an NIV and go to heaven. You'll never get there. You'll never get there with one of these perverted Bibles. You will perish because that's why the devil used the Jesuits to pervert the Scriptures since 1971, basically. And uh, you have to have the right book, and you you need to be tithing on your income to some King James Church someplace. Uh, you just have to. You can't rob God and be blessed. I'm just telling you. This ain't a pitch for money. I don't ask for a nickel. But you, I, I've been blessed and have what I have. And do what I do because the Lord has blessed me since today I got saved. I paid my tithes, and I paid them willingly. The Lord loveth a cheerful giver, and I don't know what he thinks about a stingy Christian. But shake off that stinginess and be generous, and God will bless you. He will bless you because he says so.
1: Praise God! We're going to bring you back on to preach on pearls for the very elect. That's a good subject, Brother Al. How can people get in contact with you? If you guys want any, I got a, oh, I got some
0: DVDs that David Motion Pictures made, and I give them away, and uh, that's Brother Bruce's uh, operation. And you'll, you'll write me a letter at Box 111, Wolftown, Virginia, 22748. I was like Big Bad Wolf. Wolftown, Virginia, 22748. You don't need the zip code. You just put Al Cup at Wolftown, Virginia, and it'll get here. The post office is 8 foot by 12. So, uh,
1: Brother Al, also give out your uh, weekly radio program information. Uh, uh, yeah, where can, go, can they hear you, you at?
0: You can go to freedomfightersforamerica.com and go in there and just... When you get on the thing, just google for Al Cuppet or whatever, or talk you, and you'll find it on there where you can listen to the program you can You can hear it live, and all the programs are up there in the in the archives We've been doing it since a year ago we've been doing it for a year ago, except about three or four weeks. We've been doing it, and uh God has provided that outlet. I've been getting lots of good letters, very good letters and uh for every one bad letter I got which is one e bad email i have got I've gotten ten. Ten, uh, and that was from a supposed Christian. Okay, I thought it was a Christian. I don't know what happened to him, but
1: anyhow, folks, uh, uh, get a hold of uh, Brother Al. Uh, tune into his weekly program Tuesday night and eight we, and we are going to have him back on very soon. Right. Okay, uh, Brother Al, God bless you tonight. May the Lord right. Amen. Keep, Amen. keep you. Amen. And keep uh, to our front front friends front. Uh, in Israel, what message do you have? Make
0: aliyah and uh, Amish chai tamid. That's all I can say. Amish chai tamid.
1: <laughs> Praise God. God bless you, Brother Al. Okay, we'll see you. Take care, brother. You've been listening to the Mega Man Radio Network. We had a shortened show tonight. We're going to be back on in about five minutes with Evangelist Broderick Adams. And we want to thank Brother Al for tuning in tonight. God bless you. Tune back in.